Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. We're continuing our series on the corporal works of mercy this week by focusing on visiting those in prison. Hear about the years Bishop spent ministering to those in jail and the call to show compassion to prisoners. The show wraps up by broadening the focus a bit to include other forms of imprisonment, like addiction and sin. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop to continue talking about our seven corporal works of mercy. This might make sense a little bit later, but when is the last time that you played Monopoly, Bishop? Oh, many years. Yeah. I I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. Is this something that you played as a, as oh, a yeah, kid? Oh, yeah, as a kid, yeah. yeah. Played it a lot, yeah. Ever as an adult, do you think, as a priest? Probably, I think I probably did in, as a young adult, uh-huh. I think. But so it's been a long time. Because one of the things in Monopoly that you never want to have happen is going to jail. That's right. Uh, unless unless the other people own all the property and going to jail keeps you from landing on their property. <laughs> and it's a little bit of strategy, I guess. But one of the seven corporal works of mercy is visiting those that are in prison. Uh, again, this comes from Matthew 25. I think we've mentioned this in every single episode so far is when Jesus is saying, those that go to heaven, the sheep, are those that visit him in prison, and those that are going to hell, the goats, are the ones that didn't visit him when he was in prison. And of course, the punchline to the whole thing is, when did we visit Jesus? Is whenever he did this to the least of these. And so visiting those in prison is something we're all called to do because those people are Jesus. Yeah, I was in prison and you visited me. I remember a family I was visiting in our diocese in Mishawaka, and it was during the year of mercy, and they were committed to doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, and they had them on their kitchen wall. And I was so impressed by this, and they'd check them off each time they would do. So the one they were having trouble with is I was in prison and you visited me. Like, how can we do this? They were saying, Bishop, we want to do all of them. We've been able to in some way do this, but we don't know what to do. And I Mm -hmm. said, well, I thought about it a little bit. I said, you know, you may not literally be able to go into prison and visit someone because you need a reason and a pass and all that. But how about, you know, maybe send some cards to prisoners Mm -hmm. or, you know, sometimes you can check out with the prison ministry in the diocese. Sometimes, you know, we distribute Bibles mm-hmm. to prisoners. You can, or clothes to prisoners, check out what you can do as a family to go to prisoners. And that's what they did. So would this apply? Was Jesus saying, visit those that are in prison? Did he mean just people that are unjustly in prison, the people that are innocent that are in prison? No, no, everyone. Because the important thing is everyone is a, is a child of God. Everyone, even those who've committed crimes, serious crimes, are beloved children of God. Jesus doesn't forget them. Hmm. You know, Jesus offers redemption. And therefore, if Jesus doesn't forget them, his body, the church, should not forget them. Well, and even from the cross, Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And how many people are in prison or in jail because they've done crimes and they don't realize the gravity of what they've done or, you know, they've grown up in an environment with gangs or whatever. And like, that's just what you do. You just 
you steal or whatever. Like, you know, that, that that's the norm. They don't realize what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, there's different levels of culpability depending on the person's background, depending upon, just like you said. I mean, I've done a lot of visiting of prisons and they all have their own story. Yeah. My heart often goes out to them when I learn about their upbringing, just as you said, yeah. Yeah. because some didn't have the proper moral formation. They didn't have good example. Some, their parents were had been in prison. I mean, there's a lot of things there. And then there are some who perhaps don't have much of an excuse, but even they are created in God's image and likeness, and even they have dignity that should be respected. We shouldn't wash our hands just because someone has done something wrong mm -hmm. and done something criminal. We're called to still have love and compassion for them. And to think about the loss of freedom, and it's injustice that they are imprisoned if they've uh, committed a crime. Sometimes they're living in situations not only with the denial of their freedom, but where their dignity is harmed. Mm -hmm. What is the goal of visiting them? Is it for them to convert? I think one of the things is, obviously, rehabilitation should be part of anyone's time in prison. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not just to punish the criminal, but also... Uh, should have a rehabilitative purpose. Mm -hmm. The church has been very strong on this. And that means you kind of look at what led them to crime as well in the process of rehabilitation. We just mentioned there might have been that they were raised in delinquency. Right. You know, it's the way they were raised. Or there may be other things in their life. But whatever it is, we'd be careful that we don't judge the soul of the person, that we visit them. It's a work of mercy. So therefore, it's an expression of care. It's an expression of love for the person, even if they have violated the law and hurt other people, we don't give up on them. We should do everything we can, not only to help them to conversion, as you mentioned, that is one of the things, but also, you know, a lot of people I visited in prison do recognize and repent of what they did. Mm. So it's not just trying to help them to repent. That should be part of their spiritual rehabilitation, but also to be concerned about their welfare, their well-being, and help them to understand that they're still part of the church or part of the human family and that we care about them yeah. and even can offer some assistance for when they get out of prison, if they're ever going to get out of prison. One of the things as a priest, the important thing is bringing them the sacraments and bringing them the word of God. Mm -hmm. Just because they're in prison, does that mean that they should not have the spiritual goods of the church? No, they should. Obviously, the sacrament of penance, confession. I've heard a lot of confessions in jails and prisons throughout mm -hmm. my priesthood, and they are some of the most beautiful conversion stories, often tears. And then it's important that we bring the Holy Eucharist to Catholic prisoners. I would celebrate Mass every Saturday evening at the Dauphin County Prison in Harrisburg. Really? And I would celebrate in bilingual Masses. Okay. And the prisoners were so grateful. I mean, they looked forward to it. It was the high point of their week, and they knew that they weren't forgotten. 
it was more likely when they got out of prison then they would come to the parish, even if they had been away from the church for many years. The fact that the church cared for them when they were in such bad shape mm -hmm. and they were hurting and living in prison, they don't forget it. They say, yeah, you know, so that kind of reminds them of their dignity. Yeah. That yes, you know, God hasn't abandoned us is what they feel. I've had a harder time here in our diocese since this was so much a part of my own priestly ministry. I've found it more difficult to get prison ministry going or jail ministry going mm -hmm. in our diocese. I mean, in Harrisburg Diocese, we had state prisons, county prisons. We had even federal prisons, so we had more prisons. Mm -hmm. But here, I think it's all county prisons in our diocese. Uh -huh. But we do have some of our priests and deacons who are doing prison ministry and, and lay people as well, which I'm really glad, but I would like to see more happening. I really would. I know it's more challenging to get the necessary clearances to go in, or it can really be a hassle, which is kind of something that bothers me a lot. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes of fighting some of this because, and actually in one or two cases I have, because I, I do believe we're talking about our rights here, religious freedom that, that we should be allowed. And yeah, we have to follow the rules. I remember yeah. I had to fight to get wine into a couple of the jails. I said, we're just, because they don't allow alcohol. Mm -hmm. Well, we're talking about a little, little vial of wine for the celebration of mass. And just for yourself, this wasn't to be exactly. distributed. But even that, yeah. guards who wouldn't let it through and stuff like that. So I've had to fight for some of those things. I could go on and on about some of my experiences in prison ministry. I, I do want to mention another experience that I had when I was in El Salvador a year ago when we were in the prison, I might've talked about it on this show, but in that prison in San Salvador, which was way overcrowded, a couple thousand, mostly young men who were gang members and really hardened criminals, hardened gang members. And CRS had that program of rehabilitation going on in the prison where there was amazing reform happening, rehabilitation happening. And I spent a couple hours with those men and, um, there were probably about 70 or 80 in the group and um, just hearing their stories and then what they have learned about managing anger and mm -hmm. all the different things that, and the spiritual component through the CRS program that was there really deeply touched my heart, you know, and, um, and then there's accompanying prisoners when they come out of prison. I mean, oh, right. there's a high recidivism rate, as you know, most often. And part of it is because they're going back to the same situation that they that got them in trouble to begin with. Mm -hmm. So really a helping hand is often needed so that one doesn't get back into drugs or whatever. And that means, or get in such desperate financial shape that one goes out and uh, steals or whatever, mm -hmm. or gets involved in drugs. And therefore, I think post-prison ministry is also important. We have the Dismas House in... Mishawaka, for example, that's a good place that prisoners can go. I think that's another area of service that can be really helpful. Do you think they have needs that people could contribute to as far as financial or material needs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's good to work with those who are a little bit more expert in this. In other words, you have to really 
you know, kind of work together so that you're not taken advantage of, because mm. that can happen or put oneself in danger. Right. I think it's it's important to be prudent, I guess I would say. Not fearful, yeah. but prudent. And so that you're really helping someone and not just falling for uh, those who might be deceptive. So I wouldn't be say, I'll oh, just be always suspicious. No, but I would say be prudent. How dangerous did you feel it was when you were doing jail ministry? I, I honestly never felt afraid. And I, I was with some pretty hardened criminals. I don't know, I guess because I was doing God's work, I didn't think about that. I didn't worry about that. Did you have cases where you felt like people were trying to manipulate you oh, yeah. and trying to get oh, something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or guys after they got out of prison who would do that. Yeah. yeah. But then there are those who didn't, those right. who were genuine. And so I kind of learned a little bit of wisdom. There were some times I was taken advantage of, especially helping someone out financially that perhaps I shouldn't have because mm -hmm. they didn't use it as it should have. But those kind of things will happen. But that shouldn't prevent us from trying to help, as yeah. I guess I would say. But I think I learned to be more prudent as time went on. There's kind of like, I would say, success stories and also stories that, that weren't successful. I think of, you know, a few cases really helping prisoners and they ended up back in prison anyhow. Mm -hmm. So that was obviously disheartening. But then there are others who their lives really did get turned around, where they were able to get on the right path, get a job with our help, with the parish's help. Mm -hmm and be able to move forward and they learn from their mistakes. So there's no guarantee, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, sure. you're always taking a chance. But in any case, even those who may have ended up back in prison or something, I don't think we should ever give up on people. Right. You know, it's still Jesus. Right. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about your experience. But first, if you have questions for Bishop or an idea for a future episode, you can pull out your phone and text your question or topic to the Holy Cross College text line. That number is 260-436-9598. We'll talk more about prison ministry, other forms of imprisonment, and the death penalty coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We've been talking about the corporal works of mercy over the past several episodes. Today we're talking about visiting those in prison. And Bishop, you were talking about your time as a, was it as a chaplain? No, or? it was a parish thing that we did. Okay. It wasn't like something that I was assigned to do by the bishop, but I mean, the bishop knew I was doing it uh -huh. because I, it was visiting my own parishioners okay. or those who were within my parish boundaries yeah. who were in jail. And the word kind of spread. And of course, once they start doing that, well, there were people in prison from other parishes or even non-Catholics mm -hmm. who would come. 
which was pretty cool too. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to receive Holy Communion, but they liked to join us for Mass. Okay. Was that the main thing is you would go once a week for Mass? Were there any yeah. other kind of well, Bible I had a studies deacon. or? I, oh, no. I had a permanent deacon who went in addition to that to okay. do Bible study. Huh. So they were getting the priest, myself, on Saturday evenings. The deacon would be there another day. And we also had some lay people who would go with us. Like when I would have Mass, I had our guitarist and cantor. Huh who would be there too, and sometimes one or two other members of the choir, mostly Spanish. So it made for a very beautiful thing. That I can't do in Indiana. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been able to get the proper permissions. To let you bring in additional yeah, people. to bring in additional. It's hard enough to get the yeah. <laughs> permission for the priest to get in. Right. So, yeah, it was a lot easier, and I don't know why. But in any event, it was a highlight of my week, really, because they were really into it. They were really into mm -hmm. the Mass, also, as I said, heard confessions prior to Mass, or I would get special requests, so I, could, I would sometimes go back during the week for someone who wanted to go to confession or wanted to talk more, yeah. like a spiritual direction kind of session. Did that come out of the blue, or was it because of a relationship you formed with them and they said, oh man, I should go back to, like, they went to Mass, they heard you talk, or they met with you before or after, or just out of the blue, people were like, hey, I need to see a priest about confession. Yeah, I think it was once we were there. I yeah. think the first time I went was at a request. Uh, and then, you know, I saw the need and started having the masses and all that. But but then, no, the word had spread. They got to know me. They heard my preaching. So they would yeah. want me to come back. And, you know, Father Kevin, could you come sometime and visit? I, I want to talk to you or I'd like to go to confession. And Because really, there wasn't enough time to go into a longer kind of conversation when I was there for mass mm -hmm. or to hear confessions before mass. We didn't have that amount of time. It was only like 15 minutes. So so I needed to come back if it was going to be more extensive. So how long were you doing this? Like how many years? Probably seven. Oh, wow. I think I started it my first year, which would have been back in 88. And the deacon continued it after I left. Uh -huh. And the priests after I left continued having the mass I don't know if it's still going on now, but it did at least the first years after I served as pastor. As bishop, too, I, I would go around when I was bishop of Harrisburg to the different prisons to celebrate Mass. And as I said, there were some federal penitentiaries and a big state prison and then the county prisons. In our diocese here, I've done some, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. Masses and prisons. I know I've been to St. Joseph County Prison, jail, I guess they call it, Elkhart County Jail mm -hmm. and Allen County Jail. I think they're the only three. But as I said, it's been more more challenging here. And I believe we've talked about this in a past episode, but if somebody did want to get involved with jail ministry in the diocese, what would be a first step? Is there is there somebody that organizes that here at the diocese? Yes, Allison Sturm. Okay. Or they could also check with their own local parish, mm -hmm. their own pastor. We have some parishes where they have some organized ministry in their local jails. So one could check there or one could check with Allison here in the diocese. And I guess another aspect of this would be the children of people that are in jail. Is there, is there ministry, just Catholic charities, would they get involved if somebody's parents are in jail and, and they need extra help? Yeah, when you look at the different services of Catholic charities, um, I don't know where exactly it would fall, but you know some of the case management that we do mm -hmm. uh, and counseling, 
I would be pretty sure there would be something there. But even parishes too, to be attentive to families who may have someone in prison and to offer support for the spouse and the children in whatever way that could be, that would be needed and appreciated. You know, I mean, even things like there are situations where both parents are in prison, mm -hmm. you know, and someone else is taking care of the children, maybe another family member or grandparents. You could do a helping hand there, you know. Maybe those kids have special needs, like even to buy Christmas presents for them or, or whatever. And just being kind of companions for families mm -hmm. who have members who are incarcerated. That's also very difficult for the families. Yeah. If we're talking about trying to break the cycle, to have a positive influence in the kid's life, if the only thing they've ever known is a dad who's an addict or whatever. Or be a mentor for someone when right. they come out, right. you know? I think training is helpful, though, yeah. in such a situation. Sure, sure. Yeah. For example, I've had a situation here where I've gotten employment for convicts who've come out of prison, and, you know, we have some very good Catholic business people who are willing mm -hmm. to hire someone who had been incarcerated mm -hmm. to give them another chance, taking a little bit of a risk. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We have some good Catholic business people who are willing to give them a chance. Yeah. Well, one issue we tackled in more depth back at April 14th, 2021. People can check out that episode, but it's the death penalty. How does this relate with visiting the prison? What's our obligation or what, what are things that we could do with regards to the death penalty? Well, you know, I've never had the experience of ministering to someone on death row. Hmm. We didn't have in the jails or prisons that I visited, they didn't have death row. Uh, maybe they did in the one federal penitentiary, now that I think about it, in Pennsylvania, but I never had access to visit those on death row. That would be a really tough ministry, mm -hmm. but how important that is. Yeah. You think of S Sister Helen Prejean and, right. and s stories like that, but really accompanying them as they're really preparing to be put to death, that's, that must be so emotionally and spiritually draining. Mm -hmm. Of course, the church teaches against the death penalty. We talked about that in the previous show. We believe in, again, that whole idea of redemption. We believe that society can be protected through life imprisonment without parole. So mm -hmm. that, as John Paul even said, that it's not really necessary anymore. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we should continue to advocate against the use of the death penalty. We do on the national level through the USCCB, but also through the ICC, the Indiana Catholic Conference here in the state of okay. Indiana, because we have, of course, the prison in Terre Haute where there are a lot of, where the death penalty has been used. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've heard about in the past, I don't know how one gets signed up for this, but it's like a pen pal. Yeah. And you could get matched up with somebody that, I don't know if it's for death row or people in prison or both, but people will write back and forth and just have somebody that you're praying for. And I yeah. guess you probably want to be a little bit careful on some of those as well, but. I think you have to be prudent. I, I have had correspondence, regular correspondence with prisoners. It's a little hard for me now. I did have one correspondence that continued while I've been bishop, but it's hard to find the time, but I think it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
It was basically spiritual guidance that I would give through letters. I would say that, you know, that is a way to show care. I know that from my own experience, how much prisoners and inmates would appreciate when they would receive letters. Because you think about the monotony of their daily life in Mm -hmm. prison and just to receive a letter. Uh, Sometimes jails don't allow cards. It depends. You have to know the rules of the particular jail. But again, you have to be a little bit careful, too, that you're not being used. You know, you try to just be prudent. The other thing um, I think it's worthwhile thinking about is how Jesus and the apostles experienced imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Or we can think about the saints who have been imprisoned. Mm -hmm. So there are also, I mean, St. Peter, St. Paul. There are also those who are in prison who, who shouldn't be. There was a group of prisoners who were actual criminals that met with Pope Francis and were able to make a visit to the prison in Rome where Peter and Paul were in prison, the Mamertine prison, and how they were able, in a sense, to relate, although Peter and Paul weren't there for committed, well, they were committed crimes against the Romans, I guess, because they were preaching Jesus, but that was something that was important to those prisoners and to pray in the in the cells where Peter and Paul were prisoned, and and Peter and Paul evangelized in prison. Mm -hmm. I think about a number of prisoners that I got to know who actually were evangelizing in prison. They were sharing their Catholic faith with other prisoners. Really neat. And we would provide, you know, religious materials for them. And like I mentioned earlier, Bibles, but Uh also other spiritual things. So that's another neat thing that happens is evangelization by the prisoners themselves. We've been talking very literally about those in prison, but I guess another thing, we talked about addiction being something that causes somebody to end up in prison, but that being a form of imprisoning in general, like this lack of freedom that people have when they have an addiction. And I suppose that's another way that we can help in a more figurative way is to help those that are struggling with addiction. Yeah. We're all imprisoned by sin. Hmm. People can be imprisoned because of mental illness, addictions. So yeah, we can broaden this beyond the physical prisons that we're talking about. And really, Jesus came to liberate us. You know, the whole idea of Christ the liberator, to free us from sin and death, you know, to set the captive free, to free the oppressed. We see this in the prophets. We see it in the preaching of Jesus himself. We can take this idea and make it broader to recognize that spiritual imprisonment in sin is worse than any physical imprisonment. Mm. So you could have a prisoner who interiorly is quite free Mm. because they've experienced God's mercy and they've converted. And you could have a person that is outside of prison and and free by government standards, but is in prison to their sin. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Bishop, for another great episode. I, th- I think this has been fascinating and challenging for me to be going through all of these. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. 
May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.